And we're off to a wonderful start once again with the Agile Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hersko. I have way too many people on this podcast. We're going to see how it goes. Join with me going clockwise for my video. We have Mr. Stephen Kellogg, CI, resident CIO. Oh. <laughs> Barely a response. Mr. Todd Thrash wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Yay. The coach we all want to be when we grow up, Mr. Todd Idle. Hello, everybody. Merman. I'm only here because you threatened my manhood over Slack. <laughs> uh, calling us directly from across the pond from the from the set of the Geordie Shore, Mr. Sam Hogarth. I apologize in advance. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Mr. Andrew Leff. What up? All right. So the topic of this week's episode, again, this one is not going to be overproduced. We are not going off an agenda. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, the waterfall in the room. The, the waterfall in the room, uh, Sam wanted to call it Agile in the Streets, Waterfall in the Sheets. Uh, we're going to talk about the importance or lack thereof, or maybe have a debate, of traditional project management when it comes to what we do with Agile transformations and Agile organizations. So before we get going, first question to everybody, who here has a background as an actual project manager in project management? Myself, Lef, I do. Don, Don. Yep. Berman. Kellogg, no? Nothing uh, official. No, no. And, and Todd wasn't working for the government, so God knows what they were doing. <laughs> and and Sam, I, I, I don't even know what... No? No? Not at all. I'm primarily a developer. Oh, okay. So you really don't care. It's, this is just nerds talking process, it, right? Jay, could I, could I argue that any person that has served as a combo Scrum Master product owner for their team fits in that category would you would you could we could we give a little bit of i think that's what I we're here so. to talk about isn't yeah. it uh, yeah it's, yeah yeah it's I, I would think anybody it. any person that has served both as scrum master and po of their team at the same time is a project manager but what if we're still in denial <laughs> that means you're twice the project manager <laughs> uh, uh hit control save on your msp uh so Funnily enough, we talked about having this episode, we talked about having this discussion on Discord, and then uh, shout out to Luke, Shan, and Mikhail, they just did a comic Kajile on waterfall shaming. And the waterfall shaming is defined as the act or practice of subjecting someone perceived as not working, quote, truly agile, unquote, or properly understanding the, quote, agile mindset, unquote, to criticism, mockery, disgrace, humiliation, or disrepute. Lef, why do we do this? <laughs> Um, gosh, it's a good question. I, I, I'm even coming at it from a different perspective these days. I say I'm a recovering agile coach, but, um, we're <laughs> an agile coach in recovery as Simon McPherson likes to say, shout out to Simon. But, um, so I don't know. I think it's good to know where you came from or how things started. And I, you know, had worked in the water waterfall world for many, many years. And I thought it was a brilliant, I thought that was the only way you did things. So, um, to me, it's, and I joked about this on other podcasts, right? Like I can make your waterfall faster. Most companies don't do waterfall well. So to me, it is not a flawed framework or methodology. It's, it's how do we work around these things to streamline our inefficiencies, right? So how do we, how do we you know, kind of do these workarounds? And that's where, to me, Agile kind of cuts through all of that noise because it amplifies all those workarounds but i think there's a lot of value in in the waterfall approach i still think there's value in project management i still think you know there's 
there's a role for that. I just don't, I think you have to figure out how to complement the frameworks and the methodologies different as opposed to complicate, right? So to me, how do we, how do we complement each other as opposed to constantly comp complicating our lives? And that's, that's really the way that I work through that because there is space for both. Okay, uh, Stephen, kind of the same question, right? So getting away from the agilist, you know, thinking we walk on water. Um, what are the, some of the common misconceptions that you see when you have an agilist talking to someone who is from the PMBOK, right? What are some of the common misconceptions you hear from us as a practice, as a collaborative, when it comes to, oh, waterfall is what? I'd say more on the slow side. That to me is one of the big, oh, it's slow. It's waterfall slow. Um, and it's equated usually with very long-term projects. I don't know that either of those are always true, right? I think there are yeah. people who have, to Left's point, who have very well streamlined their process with Waterfall and it works for them. Merv. Can, can we, uh, well, I can, sorry, Stephen, can we augment that with, what do you mean by slow? I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be pejorative or to make fun of what you're saying. I, I don't know that people are always meaning the same thing when they mean slow. So will you clarify what you mean by that? Slow, kind of like the draw that you always make fun of with me. That kind of slow. <laughs> no, just um, slow in, in the sense of not able to produce something fast, right? So slow as in it takes years. You're, it's a, it's right. a three to five year project and you don't see anything until the end. It's a slow process. And right. I would- It's, I would, it's yeah. a delay between, a delay between realized Re results Requirements in some and way. Results. Yeah. Sure, so okay. Let me ask you, Don, as, as an ex-project manager, have you, to counterman Stephen's point, have you ever been part of a waterfall project that actually did move quasi quickly and did deliver uh, at a decent clip? Necessarily, but you know, I think about the qualities of a good project manager. For a conversation like this, I think if you look at the pro the qualities of a good project manager, and the qualities of say even a good scrum master or a good team lead or anybody that's in a leadership position, um, those qualities are always about bringing people together, collaboration, um, getting consensus and feedback, and making sure that everybody knows what the focus is. Those are all things that you hear about in Scrum and in Kanban and in all of the, uh, the frameworks we have. It's just from a slightly different mindset and the focus is less on trying to predict the future and more on where are we going and what's the next step to get there. Okay. I used to say for the longest the question, time, Don, that's my that two cents. I, I used to think, Don, for the longest time, or I used to tell people that Waterfall was hoping that change wouldn't happen and agile expects it to happen and I, I i i heard that phrase in my head as you were speaking of like hey you know we we delivered stuff it just it just took a while before we saw it and it took some patience kind of a thing right like you, you you're like hey we're going to decide something and then a year and a half from now you're going to see it so you better not change your mind right mm -hmm. well when i was a project manager i worked with clients where i wanted them to see the nuts and the bolts as it was being created. Never thought I was crazy, but I was like, no, let them see a wireframe. They're like, it's, but it's not done. They're not going to be wowed by it. It's not going to be pop, you know, whatever it is that they're looking for. 
And I said, yeah, but I want them to be a part of this process. I want them to see the sausage getting made of this project so that we can collaborate and work together on this. Now, granted, as I was a project manager working on websites, I was also researching about Agile and Kanban and Scrum <laughs> and learning a lot of this stuff and implementing it into my project management. I think what you're saying though, Merm, about change management in the traditional project management sense, there's like documentation that's required and process required for anything changed. But they say, oh, we do allow change management in traditional project management. It's just kind of a big pain in the A, you know what I mean? Um, oh, absolutely. Also okay. slow, it's a change board. You gotta go yeah, through the exactly. change board and you gotta do the whole process. For, for the record, people commenting on needing change management still happens to this day, even in mm -hmm. you know a two decade old agile world, which which is I always find it funny when someone says we need some change management behind this. All I hear when they say that is is we need to communicate, and I'm not going to be the one to do it, which is funny because like, uh, hey, can we get some help uh, with some change management on this? Like, just fucking talk to your people. Like, well, no, 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 no. I mean, I, we need some. Oh, so you don't want to talk to your people. Now I get it. Well, but I'm also going to, I'm also going to put a different lens on that, Mervin. So I've been part of transformations where someone says we need change management and it's because they need help communicating out what they're going to say. And they don't want to look, they don't want to be looked at as dictatorial, right? Like um, the idea of getting everybody on a shared cadence. Oh, we need change management here. I've heard that three different jobs now. And but it's that's not just because people that's letting people know what it is. And, and, and so your point is, I, I, I don't say this often. Your point is valid in that they don't know what to say. Right. So like I get I get the idea of needing help knowing what to say, but that's not what people ask. Right. It would be like, hey, I need some help communicating with my my teams on this. Can you help me with the message? That's one thing, but that's not what they say. They say, hey, I want to stare at architecture diagrams for the next three hours. Can you talk to people for me? That's what I hear when <laughs> but, I hear change. Can I throw a wrinkle in this, right? So I, I know we haven't heard from all the voices, but I think there's a fundamental flaw in everything from a SDLC perspective, let's just say, the development lifecycle. Change management should not be a separate entity. Yes, it should be part of everything we're doing, right? We should always be talking about how we're addressing and dealing with change, whether that's yeah. communication, whether that's, you know, change requests, change orders, whatever you want to call them. To me, it should be part of the foundation of the work we do, regardless of methodology or framework. So I want to, I want to go to Sam because Sam got, he got, I don't know because it was late in the day or the baby had him up, but he had a rant the other day about the box where he just kept going. And I want to go in on that. But first um, I want to, I want to talk about how, you know, we, we, we were, we're starting off talking about how sometimes analysts can look down on, on waterfall, right. Or look down our noses at project management. And the best, the best mental model I came up to describe this is, is like the concept of gel man amnesia. Has anybody heard of this gel man amnesia? So, it's, it's, it was briefly stated by Michael Crichton, and here's how he describes it. Gelman amnesia effect is as follows. You open the newspaper to an article on a subject you know well. In, the, in Murray Gelman's case, it was physics, right? In Michael Crichton's, it was show business. You're reading an article, and you see that the journalist has absolutely no understanding of either the facts or the issues. Often, the article is so wrong, it actually presents the story backwards, reversing cause and effect. I call these the wet streets cause rain types of stories. 
In any case, you read with exasperation or amusement the multiple errors in the story, and then you turn the page to national or international affairs and read it as if the rest of the newspaper somehow was more accurate about Palestine than the baloney you just read. <laughs> you turn the page and you forget what you know. And I bring this up because a lot of times we, I, we, I, I've been guilty of it. I've seen other people do it. We show up as these agile practitioners riding our unicorn, which is really just a donkey with a horn glued onto it. Shout out to Claudia. <laughs> and we, we want to point fingers and say, well, you know, when we, when we, when our transformation gets tough, our first thing is, well, you're not doing agile right. And then we never take the time to take a step back and go, well, wait a minute. How do we know they were doing waterfall right? Right. And we're sitting here blaming waterfall as like the boogeyman in the closet. And well, if our experience with agile transformation is any indication, maybe that whole Pimbog transformation didn't go so well either. We just the bet the bodies are so far mummified that we can't even find anybody that was around to to share that story. But Sam, I want you to I want you to go in on the box. Box. Okay, cool. It wasn't intended as a rant, but I, I guess all good religions need an other to compare themselves to, and waterfall is is that. The, the box metaphor that I came up with, I've been trying to think for a while about, is software development a production line? Because it, it can kind of make sense that workflows through an organization, but we always say that software development is a creative and emergent practice. We can't know stuff in too much detail in advance. In Kenneth in terms, it's more complex than complicated. When it comes to project-based funding of work, the incentives are misaligned. A person who's running a project, whether it's a project manager or someone taking those kind of responsibilities, they have a thing that they need delivered. And their responsibility and what they are measured on at the end of the day is getting that stuff out the door into production. They are measured on the delivery. And as agile change, change agents, what we are doing is we are basically trying to push at the box of what's possible. Hey, let's do this in a different way. Maybe we can deliver this in some form of in some form of agility. Maybe we can do it incrementally. We can do several production releases. And I, I feel like what people hear when they when we talk about this stuff is you're getting in the way. I, I don't want to talk about the box. I just want to use the box to get my thing out the door. And it, it's a case of properly aligning incentives to make sure that we can learn along the way, that we can try and just break this sausage-making metaphor that we, that we have with projects. And I, I like how you're, I like your mental picture of the box because <clears throat> funnily enough, I had a change manager, here we go, going full circle, say to me earlier in the week when we were talking about the idea of agile transformation, digital transformations, whatever, she made the remark that people just want that box and they either want to get in it or they want to push against it. But when you don't provide that box, it gets very easy to, to point fingers and and lack of frame reference, you know, potato, potato, that sort of stuff. Todd, let yeah. me ask you this. As someone who's worked in different kinds of shops, um, what do you think are some of the skills that good project, good agilists have that they don't realize they're from good project management? What? <laughs> oh, I just stumped them. It's been a long day. So... You work with good coaches. You work with good agile practitioners. What are some of the things they do 
that they probably have in common with just good project managers, good delivery guys. Um, I mean, I would like to think that, that communication is going to be a, a key one. I, I feel that the, the difference in that is sometimes in how that, that communication shows up. Um, you know, I think with the, you know, most of your agilists to really have more of a, you know, have a, a, a stronger focus on, on empathy maybe. Um, and that's not to say that, that waterfall project managers are heartless, but I mean, I think it's it's that shift in the shut up, Merm. I think it's the difference in the um, and just kind of the the um, authority aspect of of driving a project versus is trying to lead the team. Um, I don't know. So that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind, I guess. I once had a consultant that told me this while I was project manager. He was a consultant to help us with our project management, and he pulled me aside and said, Don. You have to be the referee. You have to be the one to blow the whistle on everybody and tell them to get in line. And I looked at him and I said, I don't work that way. You're going to have to find somebody else if that's what you're looking for. I've been very effective using a different way of working with people, and that's not it. Well, so, Jay, can I, can I, can yeah. I, the, so I heard Sam and, Todd and Don kind of all say different versions of we just kind of look like so the agilists and the non-agilists they kind of look at each other side side-eyed and I feel like that's the underbelly of this whole conversation which is just like what we're really talking about is we do pretty much I would say you all can fight with me on the percentage. For the most part, we do pretty much mostly the same activities. We just got trained differently. We just got, we got trained by different people. We actually went to train, like, I mean, think of the project manager that never got trained, that basically just got brought up by the school of hard knocks kind of a thing. Like, I mean, really what we're talking about is, I like my way, so therefore you suck, PM. And like, think about all the, the blank blank box sort like instead of pm bach it's bs bach or like book of knowledge got treated with the same sort of disdain that project managers did that all of the things did like what we're really talking about is, is we do the same fucking job we do mostly for the most part the same job but we I just would, choose to look down on the other one the and BS i would bach. love for you to argue with me on it. The BS Bach, by the way, is my code name for my resume, but continue, Lev, yeah. continue. No, but I, I want to reframe the question. So from a traditional waterfall development cycle, did you like project management, right? They are the, to me, the nagging spouse. Did you do this? Did you get this done? And they keep asking, right? So you as a- You don't do that? Well, I think I take, I take, yeah, but I think that there's, it comes from a different lens, right? Like it's a smaller team. It's not a huge project. It's more manageable at a smaller scale. Does it feel the same? It could, but I think it's, it's more manageable, but I also think. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no comment. No comment. So well, exactly. I mean, on that point though, there is, there is a little bit more, I think team feel typically 
even with the scrum master who is trying to drive, there's a little more team feel than there is the PM who is managing over the project and driving things. Yeah, task focus versus people focused to get tasks done. We so have I think tasks that that could be in the Jira. Tasks <laughs> but, exist in Jira. Yeah, but I, there are issues. So, um, but I want to give Todd, Todd is <laughs> topping at the bit here. Well, I mean, no, so one of the things I was starting to think about is, as you were just talking, Lef, um, it, it was really kind of my first experience with project managers versus, you know, where I am now. And it goes all the way back to, to 99. I was working with my first PM and I'd never worked with a project manager before. And I'm asking her what she does. And I'm like, my God, that sounds terrible. I never want to do that. And I, I never thought twice about it until I was at an organization that one day the CEO said, we're going to do Scrum. And they sent everybody to training. And that was where I started to get, you know, I, I saw a different side of anything. Um, and so I put myself through a, a CSM class. So, you know, in, in, a in between those 14 years, you know, I was, was in very different, a very different place. Sounds like even for most of y'all with, with my experiences with, with project managers versus anything else. So, um, I saw a lot of, of janky project releases without being any closer to the, the PM side of things. Um, I don't know. I don't know, you know, if that makes a difference, but that's, like you said, kind of, kind of where I came from. So, yeah, and I think, uh, oh, sorry, I was no, just going to say, I think because they're so, they're driving. Uh, Dave Pryor did my CSM, and I love the way that he talked about project management mm -hmm. when I took my CSM. But they're driving the schedule, so they're not looking at the details of the work, the quality of the work doesn't necessarily get the attention it needs. And I think from an agile perspective and Scrum in particular, focuses more on that level of detail of the quality of the words that are written and the value that that delivers as opposed to driving a schedule to meet a date, right? So I think that a lot of us going through transformation, we're, you know, date-driven culture is hard to break, right? But at the end of the day, we don't deliver dates. And I feel like project management, you're delivering a date. It doesn't, it, as long as you get all the crap to the date, date right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I have a theory about this, right? My theory is that like so software is still a fairly new industry compared to, you know, the, the kind of the times of Taylorism. We are, we are still new. And I feel that agile is, is youth culture in the sense of it's challenging what came before it. And maybe we're starting to exit that youth culture phase a bit. And sure, you can say, right, it was 17 old white men who came up with a manifesto. But the, 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 the sector, software development, is, is itself fairly new. And so I think the perspective change here is kind of coming from, well, working in this new medium where we're working with ones and zeros rather than paper-based forms or something like that, we've found that this idea that we can think really, really hard about a problem and then execute it in a in a kind of cogs in the machine like way doesn't really work with software we need to handle this in a different way we need to have a more collaborative based approach to to software development from there you start to get to the idea of well some kind of schedule it, it's really difficult to maintain because what you're telling me is it's not like a bridge where okay we've built a bridge to this template five times before we're going to do it again we 
fairly we have a fairly decent understanding of what needs to be done what you're telling me is well you haven't done this before each piece of each piece of software that comes off the production line is unique so even getting estimates is a very difficult thing to do and that's where the, the project management kind of approach to things starts to fall down a bit so so can i can i sort of plus one what you're saying sam i don't know that it's software is new or a youth culture but because of the internet and because technology keeps updating it's software is always new right so like it doesn't matter how long you've done it like writing code will always be new and and that goes back to something that left just mentioned and kellogg mentioned earlier like this this idea like what we really think of when we think of software is we take a long time to build something and then you get a big giant ta-da right well we've now taken project managers and we've made them knowledge workers which is at the team level with a small amount of people delivering stuff sooner right so ad i always tell people agile is not faster it's smaller sooner right same thing with being a project manager instead of managing 200 people i'm managing the process for these you know less than you know single digit people right hopefully hopefully my organization lets me just focus on one or maybe two teams at a time right so it, it's the same thing of i'm doing the same work i'm just doing it more as a knowledge worker as opposed to big back far and move i would say right now i probably function more as a vp of transformation i function as a project manager probably more than ever before because i have to care about the budget I have to care about the time. I have to care about the scope. I have to care about a schedule. I do all the things that a project manager does. I just, I'm not a knowledge worker. I talk to the people that talk to the people that are knowledge workers, right? So, so I thought that's where this conversation was gonna end up, which is, I think there's often a disconnect because where I am, there's a board and an executive team. And what do they care about? When's it going to get done? Is going to get done in budget? And what am I going to have? What's, what's the value, right? That's what they care about. Mm -hmm. so, so even though at a lower level, we're running agile and we we're doing it. Guess what we've also done? We've laid out, hey, these big items, what well, that's probably a month. That's probably two months. That's probably a month. How are they going to fit in the schedule? Most organizations have scrum masters and project managers for a re for that exact reason. Yeah, we're going to come back to that. The, how, how do these two coexist peacefully? Um, so funnily, you mentioned that, Stephen, right? Because when it, when I just interviewed Matt Parker, who wrote a Radical Enterprise, he talks about how you know we, when you deal with people, you need to think about what their motivations are, what they're trying, what they're worried about. And to the people who are doing the work, the thing they're most worried about is they don't want to be stressed. They want to be in an environment where they feel like they can get work done. They have a sense of accomplishment. They have some autonomy, and they're not having someone standing behind them poking them. Where when you get into the leadership management tiers, right, management tiers, not leadership, all they care about is they made a promise to somebody, be it a board, a stakeholder group, or something. They made a promise to somebody, made a commitment, and they just want to make sure that commitment gets done because they don't want to have to answer for it. Right. And I think that is that is something that we kind of lose. I wish Mike Cadell was here. I wish I had that as a dump button so I could hit it and it would just have that quote from that episode where he said it like 10 times in a row. But, you know, we worry too much about the trees and not about the forest. Right. And as far as like project managers, project managers working in Agile, project managers in Agile working together, I am convinced that there are two types of project managers. I know we shouldn't boil down things too binary, but I'm convinced there's two different types. Here's my thesis. There's party planners and there's the life of the party. 
So the party planner project managers are the ones that drive us all nuts are the ones that Sam and Todd hated because they sat over your shoulder and said, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Right. These are the people who had great raid logs and great project plans and it was always updated and everything was ticked and tied and checked and triplicate. And they were the people who planned the party. The other project managers um, where I, I don't want to call anybody out, but left and I know some of the same people from Barclays, right? They were the life of the party. They were the people who just got things done. They didn't worry about the plan and the raid log and the race here and that stuff. And they were the ones who got things done. And when I look at the people who have moved from Pinbox ways, projects to products and working in agile space, typically they're the life of the party folks because they're the people who understand that, like to Don's point, right? I'm not there to crack a whip and I'm not there to tell people you need to deliver. I'm there to find a way to motivate people to clear the way lane so they can get their stuff done. And it's Sam, if I really wanted, if I really wanted to take a set of rabbit hole, me and you would go off on a tangent. Is it software development or software engineering? Cause I would argue that you can't call it engineering because there is no predefined best practice, like a, like an IEEE thing, but yeah, that's, that's another time when the baby's got you up another night. I'll call you directly. We'll get that one sorted. It's cute that you versus think that... tabs is next, right? <laughs> Space <versus laughs> you think that... So Jay, it's cute that you think that description of the two different types of PMs doesn't apply to Scrum Masters as well. It's I was thinking oh, very, 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 very absolutely. Gelman Amnesia. It applies to Scrum Masters. We're it applies not to coaches. Any different. No, we're, we're not, not any different. different at all. So Agilists I guess so. So here's a. Effort. I think there's an interesting piece, though, that's a, a potential where Agile has not done justice, the Agile community, in that there are a lot of new people who come into Agile who have no understanding that ultimately there is a budget and there is business value. And there, what they know is I was and trained to be to a scrum master sure. and I can be a scrum master and that's what I do. Mm -hmm. or, or whatever, you know, fill in the piece. But I do think that's a a potential gap that's there and it makes it even harder because a lot of the age group of the board or the executive membership was raised under the PM mindset. So that's that what they know. So when you have to talk their language, you, you need to be able to understand and talk that language. So what we do is we call those delivery managers. <laughs> I think that which kind is of always what left started with, um, which was uh, just kind of about I can help you do waterfall better, um, right? And and I like it when classes start off with describing what waterfall is and what problem that was trying to solve, because a lot of us live that. But I I had that two hundred page document that was just handed over to the web developers and they were supposed to execute. I've had that experience, and then the arguments that happen after. They did it wrong because the documentation wasn't clear. Um, I've had but, the 200 yeah, I think we page request that. for quotes yeah. <laughs> that you then have to respond to with time and budget. I don't know. Maybe maybe I've been lucky, but you know most of the the references that I've seen, you know, with regards to Agile is that you know I mean the budget component is still there. It just talks about you know, you have to, you get to a point where that's why you put the most important features first, because at some point the money runs out and that leaves you in a good place to, to wrap with what they felt were the most important features to get, you know. Yeah. As I was, I was reading around this, I, I, I kind of found that a lot of the comparisons between waterfall project-based development and agile assumed that there was a known thing that we were building. And that is the case in a lot of big organizations, but they all kind of are premised on, well, okay, at the end of the day, you're still going to do a release of a thing. And that's not necessarily 
true. And so to Todd's point, from the economic side of things, okay, absolutely there's a budget, people need to be paid. What we are talking about is how we can get return on investment with a waterfall approach where you big bang release at the end, you're not going to get any return on investment until you've spent a hell of a lot of money. And you don't know whether that's going to be a good investment or it's going to be a dud. Whereas with Agile, what we're basically trying to do is, is work in a way so we can start to pay it forward. We can start to get value for the business sooner to, to Jay's point. And so that we can course correct. We can measure what's making an impact and potentially save ourselves money because software development is an expensive, like I can charge a lot of money for what I do. It's, it's an expensive, it's an expensive pr profession. So we want to make sure that we're building the right thing to make sure that we are working efficiently in terms of where we spend our money and effectively in terms of meeting customer needs. I, Jay, I have a theory. Can I test drive it with this, this crew? So I feel like when, um, when the original software development practices first came about, right? Like seventies, eighties, we got to write code for things, you know, um, because it was so weird and soft and fuzzy and nobody really knew what they were going to get. And it took so long to literally write the code and test it and deploy it and burn discs and, you know, put it on hard drives and all that kind of stuff because punch of cards. that punch cards. Yep. Um, you had to, you had to put so many controls in place just to make, because it was such a painstaking process of creating this work that you had to have all of those phase gates, right? You had to have every, like every few weeks, we're going to do a check on this and we're going to do this and we're this, and we're not changing our mind because changing our mind literally means we throw away everything that we just did and we wasted all of the disc we burned and all that kind of a thing. Well, we're two decades into this agile nonsense that we do. And what that has trained organizations to do is that boundaries are bad, right? Phase gates are bad. And so what agile, and so people have trained themselves to think agile means no boundaries, no phase gates, no nothing. Just do whatever the fuck you want, whenever you want to do it. Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that's what people think. And Jay's laughing because he's I'm laughing because, say, yeah, I had a coworker true. say, agile is not an excuse to do unplanned dumb shit was his exact right. quote. And, and I was so, like, I agree with you 100%. So yeah. who's giving you agile lessons? Yeah. <laughs> so now, so now all of us are either leading organizations or talking to clients who are leading organizations. And we've all grown up in this new space of like, okay, well, agile means just take away all the phase gates and the boundaries and let's just do what makes sense. Well, what's happened is, is that we have organizations with zero boundaries. My current organization, when I showed up four months ago, zero boundaries. They had all these processes that nobody followed and nobody felt like following any rules. And what I've learned is, is that agile transformation used to be Let's remove some boundaries. We don't remove them all. We just remove the boundaries that are that are duplicative or don't make sense or whatever. And everybody's like, man, this agile thing is a genius. It's amazing. Like works flowing so much smoother and in this in this awesome. And then agile caught on. And then all these organizations were like, agile means no documentation, no, no rules, no whatever. And all you gotta do is make sure you chat for less than 15 minutes and you're good. And so what's happened is, is that now transformation now 
is a thousand times harder than it was yes, a I decade say, yeah. or two ago because transformation now is having to put boundaries in place where they should have always existed. And because waterfall got shamed out of, you know, out of wanting it to be there, people are like, why put rules or boundaries? We're agile as if that's in the freaking manifesto itself. So I, I, it's a long drawn out process of by saying like, the reason why waterfall got all these bound, you know, bad, like a bad rap is because they had to do those, all those rules and phase gates and agile removed them all. And we've done probably ex exponentially the amount of harm to organization the, by teaching them that rules are, are bad. Yep. The pendulum, we swung the, we swung the pendulum too far the other way. And then we so complained one, about the results. That we yeah. So one thing though, I'm curious to the group, right. As we talk about you know, financial, managing financials. Sam, you mentioned ROI, right? Like that's my least favorite <laughs> metric to measure because it's a lagger, right? But when, I don't know how many of you deal with this, right? But project managers to me also, it's cap versus non-cap. So how do we capitalize the work versus non-cap? Uh, cap right? So that's really hard in an agile world, in my opinion, to to transform an organization to understand how to look at that differently, especially if you have to report yes. to the street and you have shareholders and you're a publicly traded company, that is an yes. added complication that I think from an agile perspective, we're, we don't look at that. We're like, ah, who cares, right? Fund the team, give the team the money. And then it's all, all in a, it's all the same, right? It's all money. It's all currency. But Unfortunately, that's not some of the, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100, even Fortune 50 companies, they can't operate like that. So I think that there's a piece there and I, obviously we can't drain it here, but I do think that there, there, if you can partner with your PMO or your project management to understand how to work through the financials differently and get them to focus on certain things to partner with the agile experience in that way, I think there can be a better relationship there as opposed to trashing project managers, right? And that's not what we're here to do. That's a, that's a great point, right? And if you think about it, you would have think 20, you would have thought 20 years into this whole agile chicanery, somebody would have come up at least with a white paper that says, hey, when it comes to CapEx and OpEx, here's a good, and we should, yeah, as we say this, Dean Leffingwell is listening from his chateau in, in <laughs> Hawaii, and this will obviously be in safe six, um, but there should be some generalized pattern of how to make the CapEx OpEx monster move from a project to a product environment. There should be at least some rules of thumb, and I don't think there are, and that's maybe why we struggle, is because some of these things that we should have almost cultural knowledge about, it, it Nobody shares those things because I guess maybe when when Sam figures it out, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not telling anybody else. Well, this is my differentiator." It, it's Conway's law, isn't it? It it ultimately comes down to your finance departments and your HR departments are designing your software architecture because if you see software as a cost center rather than a revenue generating center, then okay, you'll be able to claim tax credits on work in progress because you can quite easily, in a very didactic way, differentiate between capex and opex, but you're going to create a feature factory because the incentives are aligned towards CapEx projects and OPEX is something that you want to try and reduce the cost of. Left uh, left posted in the chat that my least three favorite letters in succession, LPM. 
<clears throat> knowing because left knows that it's bullshit just like anything else i i can i just can i just <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. tell me wait, expand no, on that expand on that expand on that it's not it's it's well so you you invoked you invoked safe and <laughs> i i would like to state that i did not start the safe conversation someone else did, noted but noted you get a mulligan go it's, on it's 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 like left left can tell you like lpm is next to impossible to implement in most organizations they're not it, it will never be set up to, to to succeed it is just another control structure and i would argue that everything below lpm in the framework is what you should focus on um and the large solution stuff be, like that's the only way it's going to succeed and there's actually been studies that prove that at the program level is where transformation is most successful yeah. i would also argue that from project to product is the biggest fool's gold that our industry has ever, 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 ever invented. It's not a thing. It never has been a thing, and it's never going to be a thing. I, I am enjoying this new hyper spicy merman. It's like the old merman just was like <laughs> chugging Tabasco, and now he's like he's just you know Captain Hot Take here. Um, hold that because I want to start with Don because I think he's going to give the most measured answer out of all of you miscreants. <clears throat> Don, in your experience or in your thoughts. Is it possible for both a project and a product agile based environment? Is it possible for both those things to coexist peacefully and successfully in an organization? Do you think, or have you seen it work? Have you not seen it work? What are your thoughts? I, I, th I think of it as semantics, actually. Um, ultimately, we're, we're trying to get something out the door. We've said that a number of times in this conversation, and we're all trying to work together to get to that, to, to those, to that end. We have a huge organization that has a history of processes, a history of people, a history of personalities that we're all trying to juggle to get to that point. And what we have to do as practitioners is figure out how can I, how can I flatten the bumps a little bit to make this ride a little bit smoother? You can call it product, project, you can call it program, you can whatever you want to call it, it really doesn't matter. What matters is we're all working with people and we're working with a history of processes that were laid in place probably for a good reason at some point in time. Yeah, let's take a step back and rather than think about the role project manager or what, whatever we want to call it, let's think about what are the qualities that good project managers possess. And my list is coordination between teams, especially non-development teams, risk management, working with constraints, identifying constraints, the, the politics of the organization, how do you get shit done? Who are the people who you need to speak to in order to make stuff happen? What happens when there's a conflict? How do you do negotiation and influencing and trust building? And wherever we have that role within, like wherever those, wherever that person sits is what I'm saying, whether it's a scrum master, a product owner, a delivery manager, whatever you want to call it, we still need that stuff to get work done. You heard it here first, first, folks. Hogarth just called RTEs project managers. Uh, well, Bourbon is Bourbon is just lining up sacred cows and slaughtering them. Like so, he's he's two for two at this point. I mean, the third one we get to he gets to, he gets to take a hosting duties. He was just calling out activities that RTEs do in their training, like all the time. And I'm not saying they're bad, like. I, I forget who said it earlier, but I mean, in a sense, the activities still need, of a project manager still need to be done. Mm -hmm. 
So in the most agile organizations, we just say that that falls to like the executive leadership team, maybe to the like VPs. I, I don't know what you call the title, but like the work still needs to get done, right? Yeah, just, like when you- We're just calling them a different thing. Yeah, and when you get organizations which are like, oh yeah, we, we, we sacked all of our project managers because we're going agile. It's like, great, <laughs> you've, you've just killed all of the organic- <laughs> Yep. Net, the, the entire organic network of communication in your organization, you've just lost a huge amount of institutional knowledge about how stuff gets done. Nice. Well done. Go you. But at least you've got an agile release train. Choo-choo. I agree with you, Sam. <laughs> Definitely. It does make one wonder. If anybody who's listening um, has been in an organization where they just canned all the project managers and you had a transformation... Please let us know. We'd love to have you on and hear that experience because I think Sam's right. It definitely there's there's the the formal and informal networks inside an organization and PMs a lot of times they are kind of like gatekeepers of the informal network because they know who to talk to because they're tasked with, like Don said, getting stuff out the door, getting stuff out the door. Um, but isn't that isn't that organization? Kinda... Go ahead, Jay. I mean, go ahead, Andrew. I was just gonna say, isn't I mean, you're basically talking about the less model, right? Like. Larman's framework is pretty much that <laughs> one product owner, eight T eight to nine mm-hmm. teams. And that's all you need, right? You don't need anything else. So I don't know. I, I think that this is an interesting approach. And to me, the, the title PM project manager, and I know Jay, you want to get us to close here, but the, the strip the title, take titles away and tell people, this is what we need to do. How do you organize to get that done? Right. Who's going to assume this role with this response with these responsibilities? And that's a super weird concept. I, I'm finding out that no one likes it in the corporate world, right? Like privilege and rank has a place because it's how I get compensated. But um, I think there's something there, right? Like if we could take titles away and say that this is what we need to do, how can you best help do that? That could be an approach to, again, bridge the gap between waterfall and agile. I want to work in that framework. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> I think. I mean, I think that kind of goes to what you were saying earlier too, which is, hey, if you're running waterfall, I can help you make it better, right? It's. Yep. To me, that's the agile mindset: is how do we improve on what you're currently doing? Yep. Right. That's where I get real hung up on. Oh, you have to do this framework. It's the only framework. Well, that, that doesn't work here. Well, why not? Well, I don't have time to give you all the reasons. <laughs> Let's just ne- take the next step towards making things better, right? right? Yeah. And I know there are some people that are getting away from saying, I'm helping you do an agile transformation, right? They're just coming in as a, a consultant who helps you improve your throughput. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Come on in. Let's work it. That's not agile is one of the least consultant kind of phrases anybody could ever use in this field or helpful yep. it's not helpful in any way it's, it's just damaging i think it's damaging right because and, and it's focused on the wrong thing you know as kellogg just mentioned um you know our job is to find better right like my job is not to find some nirvana that all of us navel gazers like to talk about in a chat room <laughs> yeah, which doesn't which that does exist word turned on word turned <laughs> which does exist we're all striving for this mythical transformation that just you know somewhere claudia is laughing because again it's the donkey with the horn glued to its head hoping that it poops rainbows if i slap it um 
Huh. Well, I don't know where else we could go with this one. How do we land this plane, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I mean, so we started off, we started off talking about, you know, gel amnesia, and we talked about the, the traits that a uh, traits that a good project manager has that, that spill over into agile. The, we talked about us pointing fingers and creating others where there isn't. Um, how we we are more uh, we are more the same than different. So it really comes down to an argument of semantics. Um, I think I don't know. For me, it to land this, and and I think Don and and Kellogg said this well. Not that everyone didn't say it in some way, but. Um, coach coach people right don't don't coach frameworks don't coach agile we don't want to build better agilists we want to help people understand how to work differently to achieve a better you know a goal so i think to to land like don't be so focused on on the methodology versus the framework don't be so focused on the bad versus the good right stop polarizing the conversation mm -hmm. and look for the opportunities to 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 figure out how to be more predictable and sustainable to achieve common things, right? So that's that's the way I think that this could kind of, you know, not to be squishy, but again, like it's, if we create the red versus the blue, like we are grown up in that system, we're, we're, we're taught to win and there's a good and a bad. So how do we not look at it that way? It's not good versus bad. It's just, we're all here trying to work and do similar things and do great things. So how do we do that together and coexist? Fantastic. I'm going where's out. Your, where's your applause? Where's your applause soundboard? Like uh, the soundboard. I can't find the soundboard. Uh, so left just left just tried to to end it on a on a on a high note, and I will plus one something that he said on a previous podcast, which I had the statement of there's no such thing as a successful transformation. And left said, though there's no such thing as a failed transformation because you're always learning, even if you got a little bit better, you got better, right? It's the same thing with project management or finding like the idea of, hey, I'm gonna look over there and I'm gonna find something that works and I'm gonna use it. And I would argue that like, spend time around a project manager and, and you'll realize you don't, you, you aren't the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know, you're not the Herskos and the Mermans, right? Like you actually can get along and, and probably get better together. So. Like, hey, stop, stop, stop being all judgy McJudgerton. Yes, yes. I, I've never liked the phrase that, oh, was it a successful transformation? Because that implies there was an end to it. Yeah. <laughs> right? I kind of want to do like what, what Spock did on The Simpsons. Like, hey, you didn't help, didn't I? <laughs> and just fade away. <laughs> well said, well said. Yeah, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to top that close up. Todd, any final thoughts? You've been awfully quiet tonight. Your brain is fried. It's been a busy day. Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd argue that there's probably at least one project manager that things would have gone better without. <laughs> did not <laughs> did not learn anything. Was very much oil and water. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I think I don't know what I think. Um, yeah, I mean, you could say the same about Scrum Masters. You can say the same well, about coaches. Yeah, there exactly. are coaches where you have addition by subtraction. I mean, to be fair to Thrash, he spent a solid decade just getting dumped on, and you know, plus yeah. in his organization. So, like, he's got he's got nom style flash. Like the whole time that he looks lost in thought, you're just giving him flashbacks to his previous gig, which was right. 
it, like it, show up, get like, shot on. I said, up, I said, the, I said the raid log, and he looked like Kramer in that episode of yeah, Seinfeld. Exactly. Every time Kathy Lee comes on, he falls over. Like you could see, like his eyes got as big as dinner plates. It was kind of dicey. Yeah. So, so one, it was only five years. It just felt like fifteen. <laughs> um, but you know, I was, I was in a, I was in a meeting the other day, going back to to change log stuff, and somebody was. Um, you know, was saying that like the, the big difference is that, you know, it's just trying to push, you know, all of your defects and everything to the very end and then deal with them and um, in a kind of a traditional waterfall model. And that, that was like nails on a jog board for me. It's like, let's, let's fix it and see how things look and move forward. Um, Perfect. I don't know. Perfect. No, we're going to end it with that. So I want to thank all of you uh, for taking your time out this evening and, and early, early morning for Sam. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining. I think we could probably go another two hours if we really wanted to, but I think this is a good start to some future conversations. Um, I want to thank all of our listening audience for tuning in once again. Join this conversation on Discord, which is where this episode came from. And um, there were a lot more people than just the seven of us uh, having opinions and talking about it. So hop into the conversation. Uh, if you this is your first time tuning in, why don't you subscribe? Shout out to Machine Man Records and Krebs for our free outro music. And last but not least, we are committed to always being free. However, we do have a Patreon if you want to donate some money to offset hosting and production costs. And we even have a tier where we send out um, gifts. This this quarter's uh, gift is, should be coming out shortly. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll send my autographed copy of um, uh, Requirements, How to Write Good Requirements by Dean Leffingwell. So until <laughs> next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out. <laughs>